Welcome into the Locked on Knicks podcast today. I'm joined by Ariel Pacheco of the Strickland to discuss Jalen Brunson and his fit with the New York Knicks. Will Tom Thibodeau even play him and Emmanuel quickly together? We get into that question and so much more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Locked On Knicks and Locked On Knicks' partner with Arcade One Up to give away three free NBA Jam Shack machines. That's right, three of them. These are the guys known for making the incredible retro three-quarter scale at home arcade games like Pac-Man, Golden Tee, and many more. Enter to win on arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade1up.com slash locked on for your chance to win one. Who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. And uh, I wanted to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. Uh, no Alex on this episode. I'm going to be joined by Ariel Pacheco. Uh, as noted, to talk Jalen Brunson and a couple of other things. Quick housekeeping note before we get started with Ariel. We actually were recording this podcast while the news about Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel getting traded to the Detroit Pistons uh, was first tweeted out by Adrian Wojnarowski. And in turn, we didn't know it at the time. So I think we get into a little bit of conversation involving Burks, involving Noel, as if they're still on the team and speculating um, on what the Knicks are ultimately going to do with them. Obviously, that is now irrelevant because those two are Pistons, but outside of that, uh, hope you enjoyed this conversation because Ariel is one of the best. Uh, just a just an upbeat guy in general, a true joy to talk to. I know I had fun. I hope you guys do too. So without further ado, let's get into it. Unlocked on Knicks. All right, as promised, we are joined by Ariel Pacheco, a uh, good friend of the show, uh, writer and contributor at the Strickland. Also, just one of the legends of Knicks Twitter, undisputed, undebatably. Uh, always, uh, always a great follow. A, a Pacheco NBA, of course, right there on the screen. Uh, thanks for joining me, man. And uh, we got some good news today. Jalen Brunson, uh, seemingly a sure thing to the New York Knicks. Yeah, well, first of all, I don't know if I'm a legend, but I appreciate the introduction. <laughs> um, second of all, yeah, it seems like all signs are pointing to Brunson being a Nick, and basically as soon as free agency starts, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. I mean, this guy we've been talking about for months and months and months and it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things where like we, we did a podcast earlier this week, right? Where we're sort of like picking nits and we're like, all right, how does this go wrong with Jalen Brunson? And and we're going to get into some of that in this podcast, but at the same time, like even, even when you have some questions, it's always, it's just exciting to get one of these guys. And I feel like sometimes like those of us who like cover this team and think about this team on a day-to-day basis, it's, it's easy to let that cynicism seep in and you can poke holes in anything. You can find flaws in anything. Um, I saw you at a tweet today just saying like, Hey, this is a dude who averaged what was like 21, five and five throughout the playoffs against three of the top 10 defenses in basketball. Like you can just kind of take a breath of fresh air and, and enjoy that for a moment as a fan, right? Just that this happened. Yeah, he's a good basketball player. And, like, whether you want to get into whether he's, like, overpaid and maybe the Knicks are going all out for a guy who isn't that much of a needle mover, I think the thing to be excited about is the fact that he's a good basketball player and the Knicks have needed more of those in the past few years. And he's definitely going to gonna make the Knicks better. You can question whether how much it is. But I think the one thing that I think everybody should agree on is that he's a good basketball player and they need more of that. 
Yeah, just I mean, I would say just for starters, unless I'm uh, really misremembering someone, best point guard they've had since Stefan Marbury, maybe one of the two best point guards they've had in the last 30 or so years. Maybe, uh, sorry, that's sacrilegious to uh, our guy, John Starks. But um, yeah, he's, he's a real talent at a position the Knicks have not had a lot of talent um, in a very, very long time. Also, uh, just uh, seemingly an ideal fit in the sense that the Knicks were dead last in the NBA last season in two-point field goal percentage. And he is one of the most efficient scorers inside the arc um, of any point guard in the NBA. And that is despite being this short, stocky, relatively unathletic dude. But I'll, I'll throw it to you, Ariel. What do, what do you really like about Brunson's game? And how do you like what are, what are sort of your first thoughts on how he fits into this current Knicks core? Well, you mentioned the fact that he's really good inside the three-point line. Um, that's something the Knicks have struggled with. You mentioned their dead last and two-point percentage. Um, he's only 6'1", but yeah, he's like a feisty guard. Um, I love that how good he is at posting up, which is not something you'd expect from a guy who's like 6'1", 6'0". Um, he has great footwork. He has great touch. He's a really good finisher, which is something the Knicks have needed. I think he's a great fit alongside the Knicks' younger core guys, especially like a guy like IQ offensively. Um, I think he can sort of be the yin to, to quickly yang and sort of how like Rose and IQ had that, that kind of synergy where Rose was the one breaking down the defense, getting to the basket, and IQ kind of played off that his rookie year. Um, I think Brunson brings that similar element that Rose did, um, and he's probably more reliable than Rose is at, at their respective stages of their career. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how he grows with the young core. Um, he's only 25, so he still has some room to go. He's never been – He's if he does come to New York, he's never had this kind of a role before. He's always been kind of the second fiddle. Um, so, you know, obviously Luka Doncic, which is definitely understandable. Um, I, I think one thing I realized today that I didn't know before, looking just looking into his numbers, is that he shot 40% on catch-and-shoot threes on a decent amount of attempts, 172 last season. So I think – I think some people are kind of concerned about his three-point shooting. I think, at least off the catch, I don't think we can, should be too concerned about that. But he, he's he's solid, man. Um, I think people are upset about the price, fairly enough. But I think in free agency, the nature of free agency is that you kind of have to overpay to get the guy you want. Um, so, yeah, I think it's very clear the Knicks have won in Brunson for a long time. And it seems like they're getting their guy. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and again, it's... It's less so the price and like what 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 is the relative cost or what is the opportunity cost? If you're not paying Brunson, exactly. is there anyone to pay with that spot? Is there is there another way to allocate that money? And and I mean the answer is like we don't we don't know for sure. Um, if the alternative was Kyrie Irving, like I'm I'm pretty happy with Brunson uh, for for one. Um, and it is interesting to think about how he fits into this offense, right? Because when I was talking about those picking nits the other day, I'm curious how he functions in New York's ecosystem relative to Dallas. Because I, I mean maybe maybe he had the top guard defender on him but he never had the top defender on another wing guarding him like there was never like an alpha wing saying game in and game out with, with the exception of that utah series where he was exceptional going up against Royce o'neill who's a very good defender in his own right um the, the top guy was always going to be guarding luka Doncic, obviously and he a lot of times he got the benefit of attacking a scramble defense because Doncic, um as much as anyone in the nba not named steph curry just draws two defenders merely by dribbling the ball up the court. And to your point, that's going to flip for Brunson, right? He's going to see at least again at that guard spot, the top defender night in and night out, instead of playing in a four out or, or oftentimes five out offense when Dallas had Maxi Kleba in there at, at center, he's seemingly, uh, we'll see what happens with Julius Randle now going to start his next tenure with 
Um, certainly a non-shooter at center and uh, maybe once every three nights a shooter at power forward. The other two nights, not so much. And a guy that defense is seemingly no longer respect. Do you see him as someone who can adjust his game and has that necessary craft and skill level, as, as we note again, without that elite athleticism um, to, to still figure that out? Because when I watch him, I see a guy who gets separation very well, but it's not always easy, right? It, it's one or two or three or four moves strung together. And I'm wondering with the Knicks spacing being a little bit more cramped, does he have the time to to do that? Or does he have to adjust his game to fit in with, with this new group? I think the one thing that you'll notice when watching Brunson, even for like a game, is that like every dribble with him is very calculated. He dribbles with a purpose. Um, he has a counter every move. His counters have counters. Um, and you mentioned the fact that I have the best guard defenders on him now. I guess the flip side is that, is that it will make lives easier for everyone else on the court. Well, that are that's the Knicks, you know, like RJ should have a, a weaker defender on him or quickly whoever whoever's at the two. So I think in that sense that helps the other guys. Um overall, um Brunson, IQ and RJ are sort of sharing the bulk of the ball handling duties, um as opposed to giving the full reins. Um because the Mavericks kinda ran a mostly heliocentric offense. Like if it was Luca or Brunson, they kinda had to break down the defense, but I don't think the Knicks will be doing too much of that, um, unless it's Julius kind of hijacking the offense. Um, but other than that, um, I'm not necessarily concerned with his fit with um, IQ. Um, as mentioned before, IQ has kind of been he's, – he's very malleable. Um, he's played well alongside everybody he's gotten the opportunity to play with, ranging from Derrick Rose to Austin Rivers. Um, so I'm not concerned there. I'm not concerned with his fit with RJ. I am a little shaky with the Julius concern, uh, fit just because you mentioned that he's never had, he's not gonna, he's gonna be playing kind of in a phone booth um, with Mitchell Robinson or, or Jericho Sims, or even if Nerland stays, he's always gonna have a center that can't stretch the floor. And the way defenses guarded Julius last season, they didn't really respect his jumper. Teams were helping off him and rightfully so. So that's a little bit of a concern. And even if you buy the shooting from Obi Toppin at the end of last season, Still hasn't really shown too much of that. But I do think those two will be fun together just because of, like, the dribble handoff possibilities between those two. So, overall, like, the only kind of shakiness I have is kind of more so towards Julius. But other than that, I'm pretty confident that Brunson, at least offensively, fits pretty well. All right, guys. I want to get into Ariel's confidence and thoughts on this front office. But first, I got to help you guys uh, maybe win the gaming experience of your life. And there's only one place that can do that, and there's only – one place I can uh, start off this ad read. Boom shakalaka. We have big news. The one and only NBA Jam is back. Arcade One Up, the leader in at-home retro games, is not only bringing the best game ever back, but they made it bigger than ever before with, wait for it, a Shack Edition machine. People are obsessed with NBA Jam, and I'm thrilled to tell our listeners that they can once again play hoops with the NBA legends in this arcade classic. Jump clear across the court and set the ball on fire in one of the first sports games ever to feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams. No fouls, no free throws, and no quarters required. Compete with friends and family through all new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever before. Pre-order now from Arcade1Up.com. That's Arcade1Up.com for an estimated early September ship date. 
They've got even more classics like Golden Tee, Mortal Kombat, and many others starting at just $399. So check it out. They're giving away an NBA Jam Shack edition to a Locked On listener. Enter for a chance to win a game console for your man cave at arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade the number one up.com slash locked on. You've got till July 8th to enter to win an NBA Jam Shack edition console. So don't miss out. Enter today. There's only one question left. Who are you going to play with? Yeah, I think I think on the other end of the floor is where it gets, if not dicey, at least interesting, because I wonder what Tibbs's willingness will be to play quickly and Brunson together down the stretches of games. And I almost I, I say wonder and it's almost I, I don't know if you could tell. I, I'm, I feel like I'm being hopeful when I say wonder because in my mind, yeah. I'm like, I know I'm like, oh, he's just not going to do it. Right. Because everything we've gotten from Tibbs is he wants size and physicality out there to the point that he was playing Alfred Payton, obviously, like a, a full season starting at point guard, and he wants some switchability there. And that's how we got Alec Burks at point guard down the stretch of last season. And now you're getting even smaller, like like much less like having one small guy out there. Like, does he have the stomach to have two small guys out there? And granted, like Emmanuel quickly, ridiculous wingspan. I think in, in terms of like per clean the glass, or it might have been another site, but one of the best uh, rim protecting guards in the entire NBA. I think he was something like 98th percentile in that. But obviously, you go up yep. against a team like the Celtics, who plays a Jalen Brown at shooting guard. Then it's not even Tibbs's—it's not even Tibbs's fault at that point. It's probably untenable to play Emmanuel quickly at that spot. And those two—and it's a shame because, to your point, I think those two together offensively is completely brilliant. And the big jump from quickly at the end of last season was—I I thought his inefficiency come came to some extent from a guy who was used to attacking tilted defenses his first year to his second year being asked to be the guy who tilts the defense. Um, but by the end of the year, he seemed to have figured that out. And now you push him back to even like a slightly diminished role compared to that. I could see a world where his efficiency skyrockets and he's off the charts. I just wonder how much of him are we going to get at this point, given that, uh, again, that that defensive combo, at least in Tibbs' mind, might be untenable. Yeah, that's the concern. I mean, I think with the the way the roster is shaping out to be for the most part, creative as he kind of needed to be last season we didn't see that from him there's no real like reason to believe it'll be different this time around he only started and gave you know ob run when it was literally like a last resort. um i think defensively i think it's fair to have some concerns with, with that backcourt of iq and brunson because they're both you know pretty small um i don't have too much confidence and quickly kind of getting an elevated role He'll probably be the first guard off the bench, but I'm not sure how many minutes he's going to play alongside Brunson. I just, I haven't seen enough from Tibbs to make me believe that, like, that's a lineup he'd be comfortable with. Um, so, yeah, on that end, I, I'm not sure how much we see of it, even though I do think it could be work. It could work against certain lineups and and, um, and certain teams. You mentioned, like, Boston. That, that I don't think that would work. But against a team like, I don't know, Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte. Where they have Terry Rozier and LaMelo. LaMelo's pretty tall, but I think you can stick IQ on him. But, um, yeah, I, again, I just don't have too much confidence in Tibbs at this point. But, I mean, you know, that could change over the you know preseason or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly, it's going to be interesting to see. Like, I'm just so curious what the follow-up moves are from this because we've seen um, those reports pop up. Like, I, I think Ian Begley said something along these lines. Like, oh, well, this isn't the only, Knicks' only move. Like, watch what other moves are going to make. And obviously, just from a, a cap clearance perspective, there's going to be a number of things they have to do. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they trade Cam Reddish for a return. That is uh, less than the first-round pick that they dealt for him. Um, obviously, like, uh, New Orleans Noel rumored to go to the Clippers. Uh Alec Burks, I think, is someone who still has positive value, and maybe they'll deal 
for a second round pick or something. I, I'm just kind of curious when you when you look at like that group and this Knicks roster, is there anyone that you're kind of saying like, oh man, I hope I hope they find a way to keep him because I like the way he fits with Brunson or I just like the way he fits with the team in general. For me, I still want more of a look at Cam Reddish before giving up on him because I, I know the um, the efficiency numbers were mostly really, really bad. He took one like inexplicably terrible three every time he got in. I think over his first eight games, he was shooting something like 21% from the floor, 19% from three, which obviously isn't ideal. But I did see a lot of effort from him and, and the two games he played before he got hurt were his best. And now I, I've heard, I think um, our guy, Jonathan Macri mentioned today, like, like he thought it was a foregone conclusion that Reddish uh, could be on the way out. I like the idea of having like a ultra big wing like that, who has pretty good defensive instincts, especially if you're going to be playing those lineups, like with quickly and Brunson together, I think you just have to compensate for it with a lot of size and aggressiveness and long arms at the other spots. And to me, Reddish seems like a pretty clean fit in that equation, but is, is he that guy for you? Or is there anyone else you're saying like that you hope they find a way to hold on to in, in all this? He is that guy for me, actually. Um, the one thing that he did in New York that, that stood out to me, especially with Nerlens out for like most of the year, was the Knicks didn't really have a guy that created turnovers um, in any sense of the way. Noel was really good at that when he was healthy uh, two seasons ago with the Knicks. And what Regis did do, he was like 90, 90th percentile or, or higher. I forgot the exact number, but he was pretty up there when it came to um, like steal percentage. And, and every time he was on the floor, you see him jump a passing lane or get a strip with just with his arm. He has good defensive instincts. And I think playing in like Tibbs' system would have, you know, been good for him. I wish we got to see more of it. Um, so I would be a little disappointed if they traded him without really giving him a fair shot to like really show his worth. Um, but I kind of do understand that if they really think Brunson is their guy and he, he elevates them. Um, again, it also depends on the return. What are they getting back for him? Um, they did give up a first, even though it was protected. It still is a first. It has value. So I guess that's the question mark. Um, I think the big thing with these contracts that they're trying to get off with Burks, uh, Noel, and Kemba that they've already gotten off of. I think they kind of want to reallocate the money they gave to those three guys and put it into Brunson's contract. Um, I think they feel more confident doing that. And after last season, it's justifiably so. Um, I think they're admitting kind of that they probably didn't make the right decisions last summer. Um, again, offhand, I don't think the Burks contract was ever bad. I still think he can get positive value, like you, you said, maybe a second, maybe two. Um, the, the deal I didn't like immediately was the Nerlens one. Um, I, I kind of thought that was fool's gold. Um, and the Kemba one I thought was a worthwhile risk. Um, it just didn't work out. So I think they're just trying to kind of fix that mistake, those mistakes they made last offseason and kind of reallocate the money into Brunson. I, I guess that, that leads us to a logical follow-up question. Uh, what's your What's your overall confidence level in this front office following a draft that uh, it was – I mean, I don't know. It didn't didn't leave me feeling very good. I know you can you can look at it more soberly a few days after, and and I that was something I was trying to do, right? Because on draft night, like you, you spend weeks and weeks talking about prospects. I know you, Ariel, you're probably diving into film on guys like with us. Like we're having all these guests on. Like you get yourself excited about specific dudes. You don't pick someone. It's human nature to to hate that in the moment. Like a, a couple days to almost a week later, I can say like, all right, it just, it just sort of depends on what they do with the ammunition they acquired. But overall, I can't help but feeling that this team, I, I think directionless is, is is the wrong word, right? Because they're, they're tr they, they've kind of made their intent clear this whole time. They're trying to tread that middle ground of, we want to be a competitive team now. We want to be solid. And then we want to have enough to, when that star becomes available, 
trade for that guy. I mean, similar to what the Houston Rockets did with James Harden. You, I mean, you could you could look at team after team after team. The Toronto Raptors obviously were a lot further along than the New York Knicks when they traded for Kawhi Leonard, but there's a pathway of of that type of basketball, like eventually culminating in either a championship or championship contention. But to me, I mean, and I think the reddish trade was sort of the perfect example of of like this this clear disconnect in the vision where he's a guy when you're trading for you're saying oh we're we're taking a bet on him both as an asset and someone who could potentially be part of this young core going forward but then immediately he was someone that wasn't played and when he when he isn't played it's not even just that he's not part of the young core he he's no longer an asset or at the very least he's a depreciating asset at that point so i think i i i love the scouting department i love the way they drafted when they have made picks but I'm concerned about the overall direction and whether there is a coherent vision. And, and to me, um, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. What they do with Julius Randle and whether or not they're able to get off him before the start of the season will be somewhat of a bellwether for me of if they quote unquote get it, at least in terms of the direction I think this team should be going, which is really investing in their youth, particularly after the signing of someone like Brunson, who I think can unlock a lot of the young talent they have and make all those guys lives a lot easier on the court. All right, guys, we're going to be back with Ariel one final time to talk Trevor Keels. Ariel deep dived on the rookie at a Duke and why he might hold more promise than you might think. But first, feeling your best starts with what you eat. Sakara helps you live a healthy, balanced lifestyle and truly enjoy it with delicious, plant-rich, transformational nutrition that builds a foundation for living your in your best body. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Sakara gives you the tools you need to transform your life with their organic, ready-to-eat meal delivery program and functional wellness essentials. Their nutritionally designed, chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, and dinners are made with powerful, plant-rich ingredients, helping boost your energy, supporting your digestion, curb your sugar cravings, and get your skin glowing. Plus, it's all delivered right to your door, ready to eat. Sakara's functional plant-rich wellness essentials help you create a body you love living in. From their best-selling metabolism super powder to the foundation, their daily supplement packs. Sakara's products are designed to support your wellness goals anytime, anywhere. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash locked on 20 or enter locked on 20 at checkout. That's Sakara S A K A R A.com slash locked on 20 to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash locked on 20. Yeah, I agree with most of most of what you just said. Um, I think most of it will come down to how do they get off of these guys that they, these vet, these the vets they have on the team, um, including Julius. Julius is a big one. Um, I saw a report today, something that they were kind of looking into trades for Julius. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but other other than Julius, I, I do think getting off of Burks is key, getting off of Noel, getting off Campbell. I think they need to free up playing time for Grimes, for Reddish, if he is on the team, um, for Emmanuel quickly as well. Um, I think all those guys need to be Obi Toppin. I think all those guys need to be playing a, a decent amount of minutes. I think that's their pathway forward. I think those draft picks they acquired um, – it was a little confusing on draft day, but once we were able to sort it all out, um, it makes sense. They got three seconds, which I kind of, I can see why people are upset with that, but the currency of second round picks, they kind of are used in the NBA to kind of fix mistakes. Um, so overall, my confidence in the front office is I'm kind of on the fence. Um, I don't think they've ever really made a decision where I was like, yeah, I don't understand that. Um, but I do think they've kind of been aggressive and kind of weird spots, um, like giving Noel the 10, 
10 mil per uh three-year deal 10 mil per and then um also going after reddish when tibbs obviously was not on board with that um so i mean i'm i'm a little iffy on it i kind of need to see how the rest of this free agency plays out and see what the roster looks like but it, to me if they just get off of the veterans and free up playing time for the young guys i'll, I'll pretty much be satisfied yeah, I think I think that's a good point where it feels like every like every every individual move is defensible in a vacuum. But then when you when you look at it, sort of like like if each move is a brushstroke, you look at the full painting, you can you can kind of question it a little bit. But anyways, I thought we'd, we'd finish up on on a little bit of an optimistic note because the Knicks did draft one player uh, last Thursday night. It was Trevor Keels at a Duke. And he was he was someone um, I watched that Kentucky game early in the season where he was he was obviously incredible and and got to just see Duke a lot there at the NCAA tournament. Uh, I broadcast one of his games back in high school. So longtime fan of his. I, I really like the pick. But Ariel, you put together a great thread. I went through all of it and I was like, wow, maybe I'm, I should be even more enthusiastic about this guy. He feels like another one of those players who could sneakily by the end of this year. Being, being maybe the back end of the rotation if there are a couple of injuries and, and, and be a contributor or at least down the road someone who looks like they'll stick in the NBA, which is always a real accomplishment with the second round pick. Yeah, exactly. We should start by mentioning he's only 18 until August, I think, yeah. um, which is good. You want younger guys that have more room to develop. Um, so he's still really young, still has a lot of developing to do. Um, but there is also a lot to like about the player that he is right now. Um, he can kind of initiate offense and more of a secondary role, of course. Um, he already has an NBA body. He's strong. He probably is going to come into the NBA ready to defend from day one. Um, the one question mark I guess some people have with him is his kind of his finishing and getting to the rim. He doesn't really have burst, um, but he is really strong. So if he can become kind of like a strength finisher like RJ's kind of done, maybe that can work for him. Um, he struggled to shoot in his one year at Duke, but he was known as a very good shooter in high school. So there's some reason for optimism there. And um, a lot of the draft people I've followed and, you know, read their stuff and trust their analysis have said that if he was to have returned another year, um, he probably would have been a first-round pick. So, I mean, they kind of got out ahead on, early on him. Um, he's probably going to spend most of the year in Westchester developing, which he should. And um, I think we'll probably see more of him in his second season, third season, than we will right now. But it's a good little kind of stash and develop him in G League for a year and see what happens. Yeah, I look at like like what a team like the Grizzlies do, where they take DeAnthony Melton, who had, who had flashed a little bit of promise um, when he was on the Suns, and then turn him into a, I would say, a bona fide NBA starter, like a, a guy who really doesn't take anything off the table. Uh, but then they've developed like such a depth and such a faith in their ability to draft that they could trade him to the Sixers when they said, hey, this is going to get expensive because we've, we've drafted 10 guys who could theoretically start for lesser teams in the NBA. And then they take a Jake LaRavia, and they're, they're essentially coming out and saying, uh, well, this dude's going to be cheaper and, and we could turn him not, not nearly the same type of player, but into a D'Anthony Melton level impact. And when you take someone like Trevor Keels, what it, what it screams to me is like, if, if we have to deal a Quentin Grimes in a star trade, either this year or two years down the line, we could turn Trevor Keels into another Quentin Grimes. Again, not, not exactly the same type of player. There are some distinct differences there, but I, I sort of, um, and, and it's not even like an organizational ethos. Obviously every team tries to draft good players, but I've gotten to the point with this Knicks front office for as much as I can question certain moves, anyone they pick, I, I'm immediately thinking this has some validity. This guy's going to stick in the NBA. So in that sense, I'm optimistic. And uh, I think that's as good of a note as any to wrap this podcast up on. But Ariel, before I let you go, um, can you uh, remind everyone uh, one final time uh, where they can find all your work and, and anything you have uh, coming out in the near future? Um, just follow me on Twitter at APacheco NBA. Anything I do will pop up on there um, and I'll tweet it out. So just follow me on Twitter. 
All right, cool. It's again, one, flat out one of the best followers. I, I, it's, it's, it, as I always say, it's you, you, you and Benji, man. I go, I go straight to your Twitters every time I log on to see what I missed, uh, especially the night after a game uh, during the regular season, doing threads all year long. Um, and if you want to learn a little bit more about basketball, uh, the person to follow specifically for the Knicks. But until next time, uh, we will talk to you guys soon. Plenty more Jalen Brunson coverage on the horizon. Plenty of free agency coverage on the horizon. And we'll have it all for you right here on Lockdown.